I love that song, pouring out your praise on him. That was just awesome presence of God there. But uh, this morning I want to share a message that I believe is going to inspire us and going to challenge us to go beyond ourselves. And you know, we have a great message of hope. We have a message of hope that Christ crucified, Christ risen, now Christ reigning, Christ wanting to impact people's lives. And uh, we have the greatest opportunity now to impact those around us. And, uh, you know, your world, your sphere of influence is your mission field. And uh, so your loved ones, your family, uh, your school friends, your work friends, all those around you, they're your mission field right now. And the thing is, they won't always be there. You'll move to another season where you'll move on or they'll move on. So the question we have to keep asking ourselves is what impact, what impact am I making in my world at the moment? What impact am I making? And, uh, but... I just want to start off with this because I've heard some different opinions on God's heart for the lost. And uh, so I want to make it really clear what my opinion is and what the biblical principle, uh, what the biblical opinion is on God's heart for the lost. And it's this, that all are saved, all are redeemed, and that none perish. And that's God's heart. I've heard people say that, well, only certain few are saved and are the only ones that will ever be saved and the rest uh, are doomed. But I don't believe that at all and that's not what I read in the Bible. Uh, 1 Peter 3.9 says that God's heart is not willing that any perish, but all come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? And uh, so we need to align ourselves with God's heart. This is God's heart for the lost, all saved. And, uh, you know, Romans 5.8, this is one of my favorite scriptures, and it says that God's demonstrated his love and that while we get sinners, Christ died for us. And, you know, this is an amazing truth. This is an amazing truth that the world needs to hear. It's an amazing truth that uh, our neighbours need to hear, our school friends need to hear, our work colleagues need to hear. They need to hear that Jesus Christ has died for them in their sin. Wherever they are right now, wherever your friends are, people who don't know Christ, Christ has already died for them. And uh, you know, I know what I was getting up to at the time Jesus saved me, and it wasn't good. But he actually, he knew what I was getting up to and he still went on the cross for me. And he still went on the cross for you. So, you know, God has got such a big heart, such a huge heart, that, uh, that although he sees the world, he sees the world in sin, he sees our friends in sin, he went to the cross for us and not just died on the cross. He was mocked, he was beaten, he was belittled. He went through horrendous hours of torment and torture for us and then finally nailed on the cross and died that we could have salvation, that we could come into relationship with God the Father. And, uh, man, that is, that is the hope of glory. That is something that needs to be shared. That is something that needs to be told. It needs to be spoken out. Uh, 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 we need to have that heart in us, that compassion that for, for the lost people around us, that they need to hear this message. Amen. You liking this? And, you know, God wants a big family. You know, God wants a huge... There's no limit to God's family, you know. He's, he's, there's 7 billion people on earth. By 2050, they're saying there's going to be 10 billion people on earth. God's got plenty of room for everyone. God is, God is not the God of smallness. He's got plenty of room for everyone. But, you know, God wants every tribe, every tongue, every culture, everyone saved. And, you know, I mean, I look around the church... We've got Americans, we've got Indians, we've got English, we've got Scottish, we've got Romanian, we've got Cook Island, we've got so many different cultures in here already, and, uh, and you, but you imagine the hundreds around the earth, 
And uh, for those here that have been on mission trips and have gone overseas to missions, it's just an amazing thing when you go into churches and people from a different language, a different culture, are all there worshipping the same God, worshipping the same Father. There's just this common thread that we all have. The presence of God comes there like it comes here. And that's because he's a thread, a common thread of kingdom DNA that goes throughout the world, connects every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And, uh, and it's just awesome. I mean, last year I went over to Uganda and, uh, and you, you never really know the itinerary of what you're going to do, but, but John Wondera said, oh, well, tomorrow we're going to Kenya and these, these 150 pastors and leaders waiting for you to preach. Okay then. So we, we make our way over there and we get held up at the border trying to get through and we finally get through and these guys had been waiting for probably three or four hours for us to get here, but for, for us to get there. But we get in there and there, sure enough, there's about 150 people all on fire. They've been dancing and drums going and music going and the real African style. And uh, we had a great time, three or four hours there preaching and ministering. But you know what? The presence of God was the same there as it's the same here. And it's a real joy uh, to go on a mission trip and to go over to other nations and see people worshipping God, connecting to God, and knowing that Christ died for them. He redeemed them just like he redeemed me, just like he redeemed you, and just like he wants to redeem all those around us. So I believe God's calling us into a new season, a new season where he's trying to, wanting to mobilise the church, wanting to mobilise us to begin to reach out to the lost, reach out to those... See, people don't, people don't realise they're lost. They're just heading in a certain direction and they're fine... We know they're lost because we're saved. God's wanting us to reach out to them and, uh, and uh, because, you know, the, because we can be their biggest influence. We can be their biggest influence uh, at this right at this time. So our call is to go. Our call is to go. You know, the last command in Mark 16:15 was very short. It was just go and preach the gospel to all people. Go and preach the gospel to all people is God's last call for us. And so... So that's what God's wanting us to arise in. He's wanting to mobilize us to begin to declare his word, to begin to declare and show his love and declare his word. And uh, for me, I've just uh, come into a new season of work. I've been at my last employers for nearly 10 years and I've just moved on. And I started to think back of the impact I've had in that last 10 years. And uh, I saw some people saved but what I had, what I, my greatest impact was the seeds that I sowed over those 10 years. And uh, you'll find you'll sow a lot more seeds than you will see salvations. And that's fine because you've just got to do your part down the track. And I look at all the different ones that I've had impact with, that I've had influence with, and planted seeds. Some I've had the, the privilege to lead to the Lord. Uh, but, but in most cases, in most people, I've been able to share the gospel. There's always been opportunities that have come up where I've just been prepared to talk about my faith and talk about the gospel. And, um, and so, you know, it's just an amazing time. So I'm looking forward to my new job. I have new people around me. I have a new boss and a, another manager that reports to me. And I have uh, a whole lot of workers that are, that are uh, if they're not in gangs, they look like they should be in gangs. And, uh, and man, I've just rubbed my hands together. I love mixing and matching with different people like that. I can connect with wealthy people or people in gangs, it doesn't worry me. Uh, God's given me just an ability and, and, a, and a gift to be able to work with different people. So he's got me right in the midst of a whole lot of sinners, just the best place to be 
because that's where God used to hang out a lot as well, if you, didn't, you don't know the Gospels. And, uh, you know, Jesus used to hang out a lot with um, people in sin, and he didn't hang out with them because he enjoyed what they did or he wanted to partake in what they did, but he hung out with them because that was the best way to reach them and because he had compassion on their brokenness. And uh, when I see these people at work, uh, I immediately have compassion on them. I mean, there's, some, there was a, there's a guy there I've met, and he's just so poor. He's so poor. He's been living in a caravan with no power on one of the orchards with his wife and his kid. And he's just dressed in rags. I was actually shocked. There are some very, very poor people out there. But immediately my heart reached out to him. I'm, you know, I've, I've got a jacket at home I want to give him. I wanted to begin to start reaching out to him because he's just so poor. But he was sharing about his family and his family's way up in Ruritoria and out that way. And he was telling me how his grandfather lived out in the bush and you know, wouldn't have power and would, just wanted to live the hard way. And that just kind of rolled down, down the, uh, the line. But, but immediately my heart went out to him. Uh, my heart's gone out to my boss. And, uh, you know, and uh, I've already prayed. And this is the thing, I've already prayed for my boss and the other manager. And you always have this in your mind. When you pray for someone, you may be the, you may be the first person that has ever prayed for that person and brought their name to God. That's a powerful thing. And I think like that when I prayed for this guy. I thought, man, you know, he may never had a Christian around him praying for him and bringing his name to the throne room of God. And when you do that, you, you immediately begin to, uh, God can't help but respond. You know, when you, bring it, when you bring a name to God, when you pray, God can't help but respond and begin to set things in place and begin to move on, in, on his behalf. Now, the timing's all in God's hands, but we can do our part in praying. So I just want to encourage you this morning, um, with your friends and loved ones and, and colleagues, lift them up in prayer. Lift them up in prayer. And, uh, and we're going to touch on that. But this morning, I want to, uh, if you've got a Bible, if you want to turn to John 21, verse 5 and 6. And uh, it's my experience that these, these right ways and wrong ways of reaching out to people, or let, let me say, these productive ways and then these non-productive ways of reaching out to people. And... Uh, You'll all know the story. This is when uh, Peter got up one night and he said, well, I'm going fishing. I'm out of here. And about five or six of the other disciples said, well, I'm going with you. So they went out one evening and they fished all night. They fished all night and got nothing. Now, I'm not much of a fisherman. I've probably been fishing about ten times in my life. It's not a great passion of mine. I do enjoy it if I get out there and catch a fish. But it's not a great passion of mine if you give me shopping malls, coffee, club, Things like that. Well, I'm, in, I'm into that kind of stuff. So. And so I'm not kind of, you know, your typical fisherman hunter, although I have enjoyed in the past when I've gone out there. And um, so if we, if, we pick it up, if we pick it up in verse 5, it says this, Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish, and uh, so I just what I want to do is pull a few things out of here that is going to help us uh, begin to reach out to the lost. And the first thing I want you to want you to see here is that it wasn't until the disciples connected with Jesus that they that they bore fruit. It wasn't until they actually connected with Jesus that they were able to catch anything. And so a, a key for us is that whatever we do in life, it has to flow out of our relationship with Jesus Christ. It has to flow out of our relationship. With God, we need to connect with Him. The Bible says that He is the vine, 
we are the branches. So you see, the disciples have been doing their own thing all night. And it wasn't until they connected with him and listened to what he said that they began to catch fish. And it's the same with us. We need to connect ourselves with God. We need to uh, align ourselves with the Holy Spirit. We, begin to, we need to begin to hear him and, and move in connection with God because God knows everything. You know, we need to pray. You know, this is the major key. We need to pray by the Holy Ghost. And, uh, you know, there are some strong biblical statements declaring where lost people are at. And the Bible is very black and white. Um, in 1 John 5.19, it says this, that the whole world, just abbreviated, the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. Now, that's not beating around the bush, really, is it? It's the whole world is under the sway of, of the evil one or under the influence of, an e- of the evil one. Now, you, we've all seen a drunk person. We've probably already or been there at one stage. But you've all seen a drunk person and now they are under the influence of alcohol. And a lot of the time they don't even know they're under the influence of alcohol. They're just having a good time and I'm all right and I'm all right. But you know they're under the influence. Well, you know what? It's the same with lost people. They're under the influence. They are under the sway of the evil one. And uh, in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, the Bible says that this is another strong biblical statement that, that, uh, that, that Paul writes... And it says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Now, these are powerful, powerful scriptures. And I, kinda, I, I thought about these two scriptures and, and what that would look like. What, what does that look like to give you a picture? And I, I started thinking, you know, you know, you've all seen horse racing. You've been to the races or you've seen it on TV. And you see those horses that have got blindfolds around their eyes. And they can't see where they're going. But there's a jockey on the back whipping them and whipping them and they're just going a certain direction and they've got no control over it. That's your picture. That is people blinded to the truth with, with a devil on their back whipping them and whipping them under the influence of that and that, horse, and that person doesn't know where they're going. They're blinded and they're under the, under the sway and influence of demonic powers. That needs to be our picture with what lost people are at. That is where they're at. They have got no idea that they're lost. No idea at all that they're lost. And, uh, and often when you, know, when you share the gospel, they still have got no idea. You know, the Bible says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who don't believe. And so they can't work it out. So that's our picture for lost people. Demonic powers whipping them. They're blinded. They're going a certain way. They have no control over it. And so, and so strong biblical... Uh, comment like that about where lost people are at requires a strong response from us. It's not a wimpy, wishy thing. These guys are under the the powers of darkness. We need to respond fervently, effective. We need to arise as as a church, as a people, and we need to begin to pray strongly for people that are unsaved. You know, this, this it's not a game. It's not a game. There are people every day dying and living life without, living eternity without Christ. A lot of people haven't been prayed for. And uh, so this is not a game. This is serious. And, uh, you know, we need to get serious in our prayer and we need to pray strongly. It's not just, hey, you know, can you say, Bob, my neighbour, thanks, Lord, and move on. It's not like that. That's wimpy, wishy stuff. We've got to get fervent. We've got to, we've got to be strong in our prayers and we've got to pray that, 
that, that God would, um, that, the, that the eyes of their heart would be open to hear the gospel. We've got to pray that the, the blindness around their hearts and minds would be open, that they could see and receive the gospel. We've got to pray against the powers of darkness around their life, blinding them. We've got to pray specific, pray by name, and, and you know, declare God's presence over them, declare God's salvation over them, declare that their eyes will be opened to receive the truth. And, and it needs that because they're blinded at the moment. We need to remove those blinkers and we need to get the word of God in there. And uh, so we need to pray uh, fervently and then God will bring about the time where those eyes will open and that's your window of opportunity to get in there. And, um, and so, um, so prayer is absolutely key. Prayer is so key. I put it right at the start because I believe without prayer, prayer is like the foundational basis of reaching the lost. The second key I want to talk about is right timing. You know, Jesus was spot on with his timing to shift the nets. So, and I googled, I googled the best time to fish. There's probably good fishermen in here and they may agree or disagree, but I googled and probably about 90% of the comments that I read was the best time to fish was early in the morning. First thing in the morning. Uh, either at night time or first thing in the morning. But these guys had stayed out all through the night. But Jesus was there first thing in the morning. He, he was right there, right timing. And, uh, you know, the, man, the disciples had wasted all night. All night. Not one fish. And these were, these were key fishermen. You know, they weren't connected. They were doing their own thing. Wasted all night. Came in. Jesus uh, connected with Jesus. And one word, right timing, fish. We've got a lesson to learn here. There's got to be... A, so if there's a... You know, it's obviously if there's a right timing, there's a wrong timing. And uh, it's like the woman at the well. Um, when, when Jesus stopped off at the well, he was in the right time with God for that woman. So the other disciples all took off and went to get something to eat. But Jesus, connected with God, was at the right time, at the right place, opened her life out, she shared it to her village. Uh, people were saved. It was impact over there because jo- uh, Jesus did it at the right time. And um, I just want to share, I've got a couple of testimonies of, of the wrong time and the right time to share the gospel or, or to share your faith because there is a right time and a wrong time. And uh, I remember a long time ago when I got saved, I woke up, I was going out to tea that night to my sister's place, Sharon and I, and I woke up and I had this, this thing around me that was saying, it's about time my dad heard the gospel. And I had prayed for him, but all of a sudden I was right, he's going to hear it, he's going to hear it tonight, and that's it. And I'd worked myself up to it, and we went out, we, we went out to, to tea, and as soon as tea was over, I was waiting for the opportunity, and, uh, and I just hit him with it. And uh, I... I I hit him with the gospel. I can't even remember what I said. And then the second thing I did, I, I thought to myself, he needs to hear speaking in tongues. That'll prove to him that God's real. And so, so all of a sudden, I just start praying and uh, speaking in tongues to him. And, oh, and, and, uh, and he's looking at me weird and, and the whole atmosphere changed. You can imagine we're at a dinner party with my sister and dad and Sharon's got her head down. And, and I'm... And I'm speaking in tongues thinking this will be the nail, this will get him. And, uh, and he looked at me and he said, son, if you did that, if you did that up the main street in Hastings, I'd lock you up. And, uh, and he was right, he had no idea about my babble. 
He had no idea. But fortunately, and so that, that, that actually put a wedge between us. That caused some damage for a good couple of years. That caused some damage. Um, fortunately, I had prayed and I continued to pray. Uh, and it came about uh, that Dad got cancer and, he, and uh, our relationship was restored hugely. And we had an amazing time with him and he got miraculously saved a few days before he died and became absolutely open to God. And I remember Sharon and I sitting with him at the, at the hospice and all he wanted to do, all he wanted to hear was us share about Jesus. He was just impacted and my last night with him was praying with him and thanking God for him. So God can turn it around, but it still it put a wedge in there for a couple of years, bar for the prayer and my persistence that I wouldn't give up on him bought salvation. You know, prayer can soften the hardest heart. Prayer can soften the hardest. You know, it's called a mission field because fields need to be cultivated and the way you cultivate it is with prayer. And, uh, and, 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 and so I had cultivated that. I had churned up the ground. So although bad timing, wrong thing, wrong strategy, everything was wrong about what I did, it, God turned it around and Dad got saved. And that was just an amazing thing for me that he died at 57, but... I know I have all eternity with him. And that's just a huge, uh, huge, awesome thing for me to you know, be able to look forward to in the future. But then there's been another time where, I, where the timing has been spot on. And, and this, was this, this was last year. It was, uh, my uncle was dying. And I got a phone call saying, actually it was Kevin here that rang me and said, Laurie's gone to hospital and it doesn't look very good. And so for four days... I didn't go into the hospital, just didn't feel to go into the hospital. And then one day I thought, right, I need to go in now. And I'd prayed early that morning. I'd prayed for his salvation. I'd prayed and prepared myself. And I went in, just at a, at a, not at a specific time. It was just about 1 or 1.30. I went in and the only thing that was going to um, ruin what I was going to do, what I felt would ruin it, would be to have other family members or other people in the room that would stop me being able to share the gospel or share my heart with them. And as I walked through the ward, his wife was walking out, and, um, and which was a huge relief for me. And, <laughs> and, uh, and she said, no, he's up there, go up there, he's fine. So I went up there and he was by himself. So we spent half an hour just talking and uh, sharing with each other. And, uh, and then I began to try and... I knew, I knew the timing was right, I knew I prayed, so I began to try and probe and get a doorway into his heart to begin to speak to him. And it was so hard. The contention was so hard. And probably 15 to 20 minutes of me, I mean, I would ask blatant questions like, well, how do you feel about dying? Um, you know, and he'd say, well, uh, you know, I'm, I've got everything ready for me. And he just keeps switching the subject. And, but you know, how, how do you, where do you think, what do you think will happen once you die? Oh, well, I'm going to miss my, miss my grandkids. He just didn't hear what I was saying. This is the blindness around their eyes. This is the, the, the contention, the demonic around people who are dying that need salvation. They can't hear it. And then I thought, I thought to myself, I'm not leaving till he hears what I've got to say. He's not leaving. I'm not leaving. And, uh, and then finally it just broke. And finally he, he heard what I said and he, and he looked at me and I, shared, I said, Laurie, I just want to say that I love you and I'm here to say God loves you. And... Uh, and would you like to give your heart to Jesus? And he broke down and wept, and I, and I led him to the Lord. And it was just an awesome time, but it took contending. I was able to share with him what happened to my dad. It was a, and we weren't even close with this uncle, but it was the first time I was able to share about my own dad. And, and 
you know, it was just a tremendous joy as I saw him melt. As I saw the heart soften, you can literally see the hardness melt. Nothing is impossible for God. And he wept, and I, and I just genuinely loved him, embraced him. Just an emotional time. And, uh, and eventually he did die, not right then, but he did die. And as I said, we weren't close to him, but when my, aunt, my cousin rang up to say that he died, they, she said, now Laurie's asked us for one thing. They want you to speak at his funeral. And uh, so that was a real privilege for me. They, I went around there and they gave me a poem to read, but I thought I can do a bit better than just reading this poem. And so <laughs> and the poem was quite good, but, you know, and uh, so I talked to my cousin. I said, listen, I'd love to read the poem, but also could I say a few words about Uncle Lawrence? She said, yes, please feel free to say anything you want. So I was able to honour him and honour his life and share our last moments in the hospital and how he'd opened up his heart and made his peace with God. And just a, a very emotional, they wept, you know, tears in the, in the funeral. And so just a huge opportunity that God can open for you if you persist and right timing. Persistence is key. Persistence is key. And so the third key I want to talk about with, with reaching out to the lost is, is you've got to have the right strategy. Now Jesus had the right, not only the right timing, but he had the right strategy. He knew what to do, so he knew when to do it. But he also knew how and what to do. He knew to cast the net over to the right side. And uh, so, it, you know, it didn't even occur to the disciples to try something different. So they were out there all night trying to fish, and it's not till they connected with Jesus, heard what he said, and then, and then tried something different, that they caught fish. You know, we need to be not stuck in one way of thinking when it comes to reaching the lost, because because there are lots of different ways that we can reach the lost. And just going back to the woman at the well, Jesus not only had the timing, but he had the right strategy. He opened up her life with a word of knowledge. And, uh, and you know, look what happened. She was impacted. She went back and told everyone else they were impacted. So he knew what to do and how to do it. So we not need to be stuck in our ways and be open to different uh, ways that God may have you respond to different people. And uh, right here at Bay City, we've got prison ministry. We've got uh, Graham and Jesse Hodder and their team going out on Saturday nights and Friday nights. That's another way. Uh, these other people that are reaching their own neighbours, you've got your work colleagues. There's just different ways you can reach people. Don't be bound to one way. Connect with God. Sheen them with the Holy Spirit and he'll show you other ways. Uh, and, uh, I've got another testimony of another uncle. And... Um, my, you know, when I got saved, I just got this burden that I would pray for all my dad, my dad and all his brothers. And he had three brothers. There were four of them. And I just had this burden right from when I was first saved to pray for him and his brothers. And uh, quite, a, quite a long time ago, one of my uncles was dying. And I'm thinking, how, he lived in Turing. I'm thinking, how can I reach this guy? How can I share what I know? And all of a sudden, God dropped in my heart to write him a letter. And I hadn't thought God dropped in my heart to write a letter. So I sat down and wrote a letter. And, you know, you, when you do that and you hear God, you write a letter, it's in the Holy Spirit. It really is in the Holy Spirit. And it just flowed out. I couldn't believe what I was writing. And just it all came together. And I shared about Dad. I shared about my love for him and God's love for him. So I packed up the letter and sent it away. And then not soon after that, he, I didn't hear anything. He died. And I went up to the funeral and the feel I got at the funeral was something had been a shift. I felt the presence of God. I felt like God was confirming that he had made a decision, but I couldn't be sure, but that's what I felt. And 
a little while after that, we had a family reunion, and his wife and, and his son and wife came down and whatnot, and I was just hanging out to know whether he'd read the letter. You know, I just had to know. So finally, we sat around a table, and I said to Mary, I said, oh, listen, Mary, you know, a while back, I, I sent a letter up to Uncle Ivor, and, and uh, she jumped in. She said, oh, yeah, no, no, he read it. And he re- she said, we gave it to him, and he read it around us all. And I said, and we all wept when we read the letter. And I knew they would because it was a Holy Spirit-inspired letter. She said that everyone wept when they read the letter. So I can take from that that he was hugely impacted and that he made his peace with God. And so that was just a different strategy, a different, different way of doing things. So if you hear from God and you act on it and you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, will, the flow will be there. The flow, I mean, we all know what it's like when it's hard and you just know it's not going anywhere. You're trying to push something that's not going to happen. There's different difference when you know it's, there's discontention and there's other times when you know it's just too hard. Like there's no way at the moment I would go in and start preaching the gospel to all these new people that are working around me uh, just out of left field. I wouldn't, it would be the wrong timing. I wouldn't do that. I'm cultivating the field up. I'm uh, birthing it in prayer and I guarantee opportunities will open up. They will just open up at the right time, but then you've got to be prepared to say something. You've got to be prepared. The Bible says to always be prepared to give an account or say something of why you believe and what you believe in. You always have to have something to share with them. So I guarantee you, it'll open up. And I'm going to enjoy it. You know, as I said before, I've just got sinners all around me. I've got, you know, and, and, and they're bad ones. And, <laughs> and, and it's good. You know, it's good. And, but, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs 11.30, second part, it says, He who wins souls is wise. And that word wise means skillful or artful. So there is, there is some thinking, there is some skill, there is an art in winning, in winning souls. And as you connect with the Holy Spirit, as you draw upon Him, He knows exactly how He's wired you. He knows exactly how you're wired, what makes you tick, your, your giftings, your talents, and, and we are all skillful, we can be all skillful and artful at reaching out to people around us. We all can. But often we just need Jesus, we need the Holy Ghost just to help us, just to show us a, a new way or a skillful way. But I love that scripture, he who wins souls is wise. So the, the four real keys I want to, that I want to share this morning was the first thing we need to do is connect with God. Everything flows out of a relationship with him. Second thing is, we need to pray. Pray is key. The Bible says in James 5.16 that the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That strong, powerful prayer avails much. It's powerful. You can be sure you'll get results. When you lift, when you, when you lift up people's names and you pray fervently for them, you, you, you see that person brought before the throne of God, you pray for him, you pray that his eyes of his heart and understanding would be open. You know, you pray that he would come out of the influence and out of the sway of the evil one. You pray for opportunities to reach out to people. You pray for door, uh, uh, windows of opportunity. You pray for divine appointments. When you pray like this, God won't let you down. God won't let you down. His heart is that we get, that people are saved. His heart, never, never lose that, 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 that one thing that's God's heart all saved, all redeemed, none perish. That's God's heart. He has room 
for everyone. That needs to be our heart. You know, the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. That's, if he came for that, that's our heart too. We need to be thinking we're here to seek out and save that which is lost. And just the last thing I want to say here is we need to have the right attitude. So You've heard the saying, attitude is everything. And we need to have the right attitude when we're, when we're connecting with people out in the world because it actually doesn't matter what they're involved in. It doesn't matter whether they're a thief. It doesn't matter whether they're in a gang. It doesn't matter whether they're homosexual. It doesn't matter what they're in. They all have one thing in common. They all need salvation from Jesus Christ. And that's the bottom line. So, so no judging. There's to be no judging. Paul warns uh, in Corinthian, he was talking to the Corinthians about the immorality going on in the church. And when there's major stuff like that going in the church, there is cause to judge and, and do what needs to be done to set that right. But what was happening is these, the Corinthians began to judge people out in the world. And Paul heard about this and he jumped in there and said, hey, hang on, hang on, hang on. You can't do that, otherwise you'll have to leave the world because everyone in the world's in sin. You can't jump in the world and start judging people's different sins. Everyone unsaved is in sin, no matter what it is, they're in sin. So he told them to pull back. He said, that's God's territory to judge out in the world, not ours. We're just called to reach out to people in love uh, with words of truth, uh, share about the truth of God, but we're not called to judge no matter what they're involved into. I just wonder if the music theme could come up. You know, God's heart is for his community. God's heart is for your family. God's heart is for your lost. God's heart is for your loved ones. God's heart is for your work friends, your school friends. God's heart is for your neighbours. God's heart is for your world. And you only have, one, you only have a season now that, that, that you can influence that world because things will move on. You'll move on or they'll move out of your world and, and you need to ask yourself the question, what impact am I having to those around me? What impact am I having to those around me? And I've said this statement, but I just love it. Jesus hung out with sinners not because he agreed with their lifestyle. We've got to get that clear. It's like we don't, you know, people out in the world, we don't necessarily agree with their lifestyles. But because of their lifestyles, because of their brokenness, he was moved by compassion. Compassion is the greatest motivator to win souls. You know, it often talks how Jesus was moved with compassion when it came to feeding the 5,000. He, you know, he was moved with compassion. Now, compassion will just launch you into the mission field. Compassion for the lost will just activate something in you that you're thinking, I have to reach these people. This one guy in my workplace, he just pulled my heartstrings. As I, as I sat and talked with him, my heart absolutely went out to him. And, and, and my desire to see him saved, and my, I saw his brokenness, and, and I saw the stuff around him, and my heart went out to him. Big time. Your heart needs to go out to people. You need to embrace the people in your sphere of influence. So often we, we, we're in workplaces, and I, listen, I'm preaching to myself because I've, been in the, I've done the same, but often we're in our workplace, and you just take people for granted. You laugh at their silly stuff, and you have no heart for them, and and you talk about them and all that kind of stuff, and yet that person needs your compassion. That person needs, your, that person needs you to say something to them. 
So I want to encourage you to just, you know, if, if, if compassion is not something that comes easy, then begin to talk to God about it. Begin to ask him to help you in the areas of compassion, to help you have a heart for the lost, to help you see and, uh, and, and ask him for opportunities for the lost. You know, as we align ourselves with God, we will automatically move toward the lost. If we align ourselves with God's heart for the lost, we will automatically gravitate toward them so that whenever they're around, something in us always thinks this person's lost. This person needs Jesus Christ. Why don't you just close your eyes? Why don't you just think of someone right now that you know? Think of someone, a family member, a loved one, a work colleague. Just think of that person and then put the picture of the of the spirit on a horse on the, on the jockey on the horse's back whipping them. If they're not saved, that's the place they're at, under the sway of the enemy, and eyes blinded to the truth. Just think about that person. Let God do something in your heart that will move you toward compassion. Just wonder whether everyone's got their eyes closed this morning. Just wonder if there's anyone here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've heard this message. You may have been here before, but you've actually never committed your life to Jesus Christ and asked Him to be your Lord and Saviour. If there's anyone here this morning and that's you, why don't you just quickly raise up your hand. I'd love to meet with you this morning. If you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, quickly raise up your hand. Just up and down. If you're here this morning and you're far from God, you have been walking with God for a long time now and this, is, this message has motivated you, inspired you to think, I need to come back on board with God. I need to align myself with Him. I need to connect back with Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, why don't you just quickly raise your hand. Right, I see that hand. I see that hand. If you've been encouraged by this morning's message, if you've been inspired to action, why don't you just quickly raise your hand let me see. If this message this morning has encouraged you, that's great, hands everywhere. That's all God wants. God wants a, a willing heart. Someone who's just willing to say, I'll go. Fantastic. You know, if you'd like to come up for prayer this morning, we've got leaders here that will pray for you. If you, if, if you need uh, help in the areas of sharing the gospel or, or witnessing or you've got certain fears around your life that, that you always struggle with when it comes to sharing, you know, you're welcome to come up and we can pray for you. I just wonder that one man that just put up his hand that wants to come back to God. Would you like to come up? Would you like to come up in front? Everyone, please just stand up. That's right, great. Why don't we just give this man a clap? If there's any others here this morning too, if there's any others, and you know you're far from God, you know it's time that you came back, that you came back to Him, 
to build relationship to him, I'd like you to come up the front now. I believe there's others here that are in that place of, of, of knowing they're not quite right with God. They need to come up. If you've never received Jesus Christ, I want you to come up the front. This is your opportunity for forgiveness. It's your opportunity for a new life in him. Why don't we just reach out to this man here?